tonight. It's International Women's Day, yet how sad is it that real women are being treated as second-class citizens when it comes to trans women? It's Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. I'm David Menzies, and this is The Ezra Levent Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. are celebrating, I wish you a very happy International Women's Day. But by the same token, and I really hate to ask this query, in the uber-woke year of 2023, what is a woman? That used to be such an easy question once upon a time when there were two sexes as opposed to, oh, 128 genders. Or is it 184? It keeps increasing like inflation and the interest rates. In fact, a new gender was just invented the other day. Here, check it out. So try gender and the way you identify in it can be very heavily based on your culture and your cultural background. There's man on one side, woman on the other, and non-binary is somewhere in the middle. And then I take up that whole area, the whole bar there. <laughs> You know what? I think I'm going to hit the bar after work. In the meantime, I'll check to see if the circus is in town. Anyway, in glorious yester decade, you were simply a male or a female. Why am I speaking in the past tense here? For that is still the case today. It's not subjective. Rather, it's science. There are only males and females. It boils down to X and Y chromosomes. Biology 101, case closed. Even if you happen to currently identify as a pansexual, gender-fluid, spirit unicorn with daddy issues, deep down you are still either a male or a female. And if I have offended anyone's soy-based sensibilities, hey, feel free to sue me. But back to International Women's Day. I was just a kid back in the late 60s and early 70s when the women's liberation movement was quite the thing. And really, there were legitimate battles to be fought by the sisterhood back then, such as receiving equal pay for equal work. I mean, who would possibly argue against that demand, unless, of course, you identified as a male chauvinist pig? I must say, though, I never did once witness a woman back then burning her bra so I think that might be an urban legend. Besides, if a gal were to do that today, she'd be condemned in certain realms for unnecessarily increasing her carbon footprint. How dare you? Anyway, how odd is it that just a few decades later, the women's liberation movement is seemingly passe? In fact, you could argue that what we're witnessing today is an all-out war on women, which is to say real woman. Just look at what has occurred in the past several years thanks to biological men who are either mentally ill or gaming the system, or maybe it's a combination of the two factors. Anyways, a man today merely has to say that he identifies as female, and hey, Bob's your uncle, or <laughs> Bob's your aunt as the case may be, because he is instantly granted admission to Club Femme. Case in point, the wide, woke world of sports where mediocre male athletes become 
champion female athletes overnight thanks to their inherent biological advantages. A loser of a lad merely has to say, hey, I'm a chick, and our sniveling society will deem him to be female, even if such a specimen is sporting a beard and his wedding tackle is still firmly affixed. Please, I scare easy. Indeed, folks, had I told you, say, 10 years ago, no, make that five years ago, that a newly appointed female U.S. Supreme Court judge would be unable to define what a woman is, would you have believed me? Or would you have urged that I seek psychiatric treatment, ASAP? And yet, here we are. Check out what happened last year during Hour 13 of the confirmation hearing for Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson when Senator Marsha Blackburn asked the Supreme Court nominee to define the word woman. Ooh, was that some sort of a trick question or something? Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm you not believe a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? You know, I wonder if Judge Brown Jackson is celebrating International Women's Day today, or is she still researching what a woman is? You heard it yourself. She's a judge, not a biologist. Good grief. Is she channeling Star Trek's Dr. McCoy here? I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a surgeon, not a psychiatrist. I'm a doctor, not an escalator. Spock, give me a hand. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not an engineer. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. You know, I'm a journalist, not an astrophysicist, but even a dummy like me knows that if I were to jump off the roof of a skyscraper, I'm going to instantly plummet to the sidewalk and perish. I think it has something to do with gravity. Anyway, just imagine having your judicial fate decided by the wacky woke weirdo that is Judge Brown Jackson. I mean, call me harsh, but if a judge cannot define what a woman is, I don't think she should be presiding over a small claims court, let alone the U.S. Supreme Court. But from the justice system to the political world, check out this brief interview I had with Sherry DeNovo a few years ago. She's a former NDP MPP and currently a minister with the withering United Church. I'm absolutely certain she'd proclaim to be a feminist. But there she was outside a downtown Toronto public library trying to cancel a speech by Megan Murphy. Murphy is a feminist who was in Toronto to deliver a speech on gender identity and its legislative ramifications. Ah, oh, but the alphabet soup community was not happy about that. They wanted to deplatform Murphy, who they referred to as a TERF. That's a derogatory descriptor which stands for trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Anyway, here's the parliamentarian de novo in all her glory. And you support censorship and deplatforming? I support trans rights, and I'm not speaking to you. 
Trans rights are human rights. Just with the <laughs> Trans rights are human rights. Trans rights are human rights. You obviously disagree with Miss Murphy, but why not have a debate? Why not have a discussion? Why shut somebody because down? Because we have hate speech in this country. We know what hate speech is. Amazing. You try to have a civil discussion with a former member of the provincial parliament, and all you get is the trans rights are human rights shtick. You know, I tried to speak with some of the other demonstrators that day to get their side of the story. Predictably, didn't go well. How about yourself, sir? Can you explain what your sign means? This is free speech that is bigotry. F*** off. <laughs> That's all you have to say? You can't articulate your point? Oh, okay then. Well, I, I can understand that you are a pro-censor and a pro-deplatformer, but... I'm pro-punching you in the mouth is what I am. Oh, so violence too. Do you guys want to weigh in or uh, what's up? Can you articulate why you're here tonight? I think it's supposed to be vertical, isn't it? You know, why is it that the members of the love Trump's hate community are always so profane and so ready to get violent? Weird. But the message was clear. They believe trans women are real women. And if you have a problem with pretend women, then you are a bigot and a hater and a transphobe even though the true victims of this perverse philosophy are indeed real biological women when it comes to everything from female sports to female incarceration. But that's the thing. The inmates are running the asylum, and very few people in the public realm will take a stance against transanity. Indeed, where is that little boy who outed the emperor for having no clothes? In that fable, the boy was a hero for not playing along with a grotesque charade. I fear if that story were penned today, it would end with the little boy being sent to a detention center for reprogramming. It's sad, really. For centuries, real biological women have fought for equal rights. But in a blink of an eyelash, the transgendered community has not only attained equal rights, but rather they now have extra special rights. Excuse me, ma'am, no porn at the bar. Oh, it's okay, I'm transgender. Oh, I, I had no idea. Do whatever you want all the time. Indeed, in the Department of Pop Culture, you could poke fun at transgenderism in yesterday, today. Oh, so sorry, but transgenderism is a sacred cow. Or is it a sacred bull? Oh, it's bull, all right. But seriously, folks, let's check out a few clips from the 90s. You know, when things were so lovingly normal. And just ask yourself, would Hollywood even allow these movies to be made today? Ladies and gentlemen, my esteemed colleague, Mr. Marino, has just brought some new evidence to my attention. Now, history has certainly shown that even the most intuitive criminal investigator can be wrong from time to time. But if I am mistaken, if the lieutenant is indeed a woman as she claims to be, then my friend, she is suffering from the worst case of hemorrhoids I have ever seen! That's why Roger Pedactor is dead! He found Captain Winky! I know, 
wow, could you even shoot a scene like that today without incurring the wrath of a human rights tribunal or even a smackdown in a legitimate court of law? I'm actually surprised this scene hasn't been purged from the internet. Then there was It's Pat. Methinks what was a comedic piece back in 1994 would come across as a bona fide hate crime today, at least for the gender palooza people. Check out the trailer. It's peculiar. Yes, and yet wondrously provocative. A cultural event of apocalyptic significance. It's almost as if. It may disturb you. It may even shock you. Just leave me alone. Oh, God. What the hell are you? What do you think? <laughs> are you a brother or a sister? Well, I'm an only child. As God is my witness, I will uncover the mystery that is Pretty creepy, huh? Pleased to meet you. Gorgeous. Do you have a photo of you in the nude? Yes, I do, sir. I need some feminine napkins. I am in hell now. You never know when Aunt Wilma's gonna stop by for lunch. There's a word for what you are. Charismatic? <laughs> this summer, if you think it's a man... Pat, I'm in a towel. Should I be embarrassed? Ouch! If you're positive it's a woman... Oh, this is something, something we'll both... Enjoy. Then there's one thing for sure. What's past laundry like? It was, you know, bras, panties, boxer shorts, jock straps. It's Pat. The movie. Oh, Pat. Is that a banana in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> no, it's a banana. Say, does anyone out there have a DeLorean DMC-12 for sale? You know, that model with the flux capacitor option so that I can set the coordinates for the 80s or 90s when being woke meant that you were simply getting out of bed in the morning. And yet on this day, this International Women's Day, where is the feminist movement when it comes to going to bat for real women who are increasingly under attack? After all, International Women's Day is billed as, quote, a global day celebrating the social, economic, cultural, and political achievements of women, end quote. Interesting. But why do I get the feeling that the people behind International Women's Day, and I would imagine most of them are indeed real biological women, think that it is an achievement to welcome males into the fold, males who very well may be suffering from mental illness and perhaps hate real women and are prone to violence. You're going to give me my fucking money back. Excuse me, sir. There's a young man in here. Excuse me, it's ma'am. It is ma'am. I can call the police if you'd like me to. You need to settle down. You need to settle down and mind your business, okay? Ma'am, once again, ma'am. I said both of you. No, you said sir. Once again, it's ma'am. I actually said both of you guys. Right beforehand, you fucking said sir. Sir? Motherfucker, take it outside. If you want to call me sir again, I will show you a fucking sir. I apologize. Motherfucker. I apologize now. Folks, do you think that whack job is celebrating International Women's Day today? Certainly the most egregious hatred toward biological females is surely what has recently occurred in our prison system, which is to say a male convict merely has to, you guessed it, 
identify as a female, and presto, that degenerate will serve his time at a female penitentiary. Why? Well, a few years ago, a Franken female suggested this dangerous gender-bending policy change at a town hall hosted by, well, none other than Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Oh, and good old blackface never wanting to miss an opportunity to prove how progressive and woke he is. Well, he agreed that it would be a jolly good idea to incarcerate violent males with females. As we all know, Trudeau himself is a self-proclaimed feminist. Even though he has this penchant for groping real women from time to time. Regardless, I know this sounds preposterous. You know, this idea of locking up a rabid fox with the hens in the same chicken coop. But it's real. And our phony baloney feminist prime minister, Blackface McGroper, and Corrections Canada, for that matter, are ignoring real women who take issue with this perverse policy. But why? We are endlessly told that public safety trumps all. But today, transgenderism, not safety, trumps all. I know that sounds insane and downright unbelievable, but it's true. Check out this snippet from a report we filed back in 2021 pertaining to a protest outside a federal woman's penitentiary in Kitchener, Ontario. When I first got here, I was told right away by some of the women to watch out for a certain prisoner. And I said, wait, we have men here? And they're like, yeah, we do. But you're not allowed to call them men and you have to use she, her pronouns. Are you telling me, Heather, I can just deviously say, hey, I'm a woman all of a sudden and I'm here. Yes, you could. Will you uh, do your best to ensure that trans women are put in prison or prison more appropriate to their gender identity? The answer is yes. The next day it was policy. And Unbelievable. That is how much consideration women got. It's sorry to see real women like yourselves throw women inmates under the bus because of males pretending to be females. I, I will not call him a woman because he was not. Um, how he victimized women throughout the compound over that period of time absolutely floored me. We really should be able to define a woman in this country. And sure, let trans people live the way they want. However, you can't just throw women under the bus. Faking transgender just to be where you want to be, where your victim pool is, is wrong. I, right now, identify as a female, and if I'm found guilty, I want to be incarcerated in that building. Is that okay? Sir, you have the right to do whatever you want. Yep, welcome to Bizarro World. As Sergeant Han said, you have the right to do whatever you want. Really? Okay, I identify as a parrot then. Can I be imprisoned at the Metropolitan Toronto Zoo with all of my other fine feathered friends? Oh, by the way, when it comes to sexuality and prison time, it should be noted that this is not a two-way street, which is to say if a female convict identifies as a male, she will not do time at a male prison. Why? Well, do you really think the guards want all that extra work that would come from breaking up numerous attempted gang rapes? Not a chance. And yet, where, oh, where is the feminist movement regarding this perversity? Why aren't the people behind International Women's Day protesting outside female penitentiaries or sports stadia where fake women are putting the boots to real women? Well, Feminist Incorporated is AWOL on these incredibly important women's issues. 
the modern-day feminist is either hopelessly woke herself, or she is too terrified to take a principled stance for fear of being condemned in certain circles. Just ask J.K. Rowling about that. And the war on women, for let's face it, that's what we're witnessing today, it continues unabated. And it is coming from all facets of society. For example, did you catch that groveling public apology issued by the Toronto Raptors basketball club last week? You see, to celebrate Women's History Month, various Raptors players took part in a video in which they stated why they believe women rule the world. Well, that was very nice of them, wouldn't you say? Oh, but alas, one of the players happened to make this remark, quote, girls run the world because they birth everybody, end quote, and quote, because they are the only ones that can procreate, end quote. Oh my God, the woke mob on social media went to DEFCON 4. What do you mean only women can procreate? Hey, as Dr. Teresa Tam herself will tell you, we don't say pregnant woman anymore, but rather pregnant people. It's all part of trans delusionalism. You see, when Bubba identifies as Barbara, he can buy a fake pair of hooters a la Busty Lemieux and wear a dress and a pair of stilettos. But gosh darn it, if he thinks he can conceive a child, who are we to say otherwise? I mean, that's rude. Indeed, did you catch that Batman comic a few weeks ago when the Joker became a trans woman and somehow got pregnant and he gave birth by vomiting up his baby? Holy Frankenstein. You know, I think I liked the clown prince of crime when he was merely a do rigueur normal psychopath. But back to your Toronto Raptors, you see, instead of ignoring the lunatic fringe regarding birthing women, the basketball club bent the knee to this mental mob. Here's the statement the Raptors released, quote, we're an organization that prides itself on doing the right thing when it comes to inclusion and representation, and we made a mistake. Our sincerest apologies to our players, our staff, and our fans. We'll work to do better today and every day after, end quote. Gee, I wonder if the Raptors will be able to arrange a biological male giving birth at the Scotiabank Arena during halftime. <laughs> buy that for a dollar. And get this, just the other day, the tragically named Richmond Hill Liberal newspaper plopped on my porch. The front page story is about Iranian-Canadian artists who are fighting for freedom in Iran via art. I wish them well. I wish them the very best. But check out the half-page propaganda ad on page five. It's from one of the most odious serpents currently serving in Blackface's caucus, namely MP Majid Johari. Here's his happy International Women's Day statement. Quote, On International Women's Day, as we celebrate the many accomplishments of women and girls who are building a more inclusive future, we also recognize the strength and resilience of all brave women around the world, namely the women of Iran and Ukraine, as they continue to fight for equality, freedom, and justice. End quote. Johari is a despicable lying liar because this guy is on record as being a supporter 
of the Iranian regime, not the Iranian liberation movement. Yeah, Majid takes out an ad to wish the women folk happy International Women's Day. Meanwhile, the Tehran-based puppet masters he serves will actually execute a woman for committing a dress code violation. What a rat. And by the way, if you are a woman of any race or religion or heritage, and you live in the federal riding of Richmond Hill, can you please explain why you would vote for such an odious member of parliament if an election were called today? And by the way, why doesn't the Richmond Hill liberal run a story on the hypocrisy of Majid Jihadi? Oh, I mean, Johari. Oh, I almost forgot. Let's go back to page one. Look at that statement. Quote, funded by the government of Canada, end quote. Yeah, the liberal newspaper would never want to offend its liberal sugar daddies in Ottawa. There's your mainstream media in 2023, folks. In the final analysis, the sad reality when it comes to this current edition of International Women's Day is this. Thanks to radical transgenderism and woke liberalism, women's liberation has been greatly diminished in recent years. My personal feeling is that this is all part and parcel of radical Marxism. It's all about tearing down society and rebuilding it as a Marxist utopia. And just ask those who reside in North Korea or Cuba or Venezuela how that's working out for them. And the sad reality is that the Marxists in North America, they're winning. Again, when a female Supreme Court judge in the United States of America cannot define what a woman is, you know we have reached a terrifying roadblock when it comes to that which is known as common sense. Indeed, male or female, if you sincerely believe that fake women are just the same as real women, you might have been led to believe that you're being inclusive and diverse and respectful. But the sad fact is, you're simply being a misogynist. to COVID-19, the last few years have proven to be downright brutal, and not just because of the virus. Rather, another unfortunate side effect of the pandemic was how certain people were treated, namely those who did not mask up and did not socially distance and refused not to congregate. Well, those people were demonized and vilified. And for someone who refused to get vaccinated, well, he or she was looked upon as the second coming of Typhoid Mary. Two-tier citizenship had arrived in Canada, and many paid a steep price indeed for taking a rebel stance. And that would include my next guest, former Ontario MPP Randy Hillier, someone who was heavily fined during the COVID lockdown period, and someone who was forced out of caucus by Premier Doug Ford for refusing to get jabbed with an experimental vaccine. The good news, as he fights his fines, Randy has scored some impressive victories in various courts of law lately, and that's something to celebrate. So hi there, Randy. How you been doing, my friend? 
Well, uh, I've been doing well in this bizarre and uh, authoritarian world, uh, a, a world where justice is not uh, easy to find uh, these days, David. And uh, you know, indeed, I, yeah. I, I had a total of two and a half million dollars in potential fines oh. levied against me and up to 25 years in jail. Um, about 10 of those uh, charges have been withdrawn. There's still about another dozen left being battled. Um, and, uh, um, and two of those charges are constitutional arguments, which will be heard, begin to be heard in April of this year in the uh, uh, Toronto courts, um, so in the Superior Court. And then, of course, I still have uh, nine trumped-up criminal charges against me as a result of my presence in Ottawa last uh, last year, so um, and those are have been um, the crown in Ottawa. In my humble estimation, is um, um, trying doggedly to either bankrupt me or incarcerate me uh, to keep me silent uh, uh, with those the way they're proceeding in Ottawa. I do have a change of venue motion in Ottawa that will be heard in April, and I hope we'll be successful and have the matter heard outside of that um, bizarre jurisdiction. I think that's uh, prudent legal advice, the change of venue, uh, Randy. I don't think uh, you could get a fair shake in our nation's capital, unfortunately. But first things first, uh, on the positive side, Ten charges have been withdrawn, uh, Randy. Uh, first of all, can you tell us what the charges were for and what the basis was for the charges being withdrawn? Well, uh, most of the charges have been withdrawn in that, um, you know, some crowns in some jurisdictions in Ontario are now realizing that it's not in the public interest to proceed to continue. Um, so... You know, the laws that were allegedly broken uh, during the no more lockdown rallies, which uh, we had all across the province, um, the, the, that law no longer is on the books. Um, so many of the crowns are being reasonable and sensible and saying, well, the law doesn't exist anymore. There's really no benefit um, to continue with the prosecution. It's not as if I need to be penalized further uh, because I can't go out and break that law uh, or allegedly break that law anymore because that law doesn't exist. So, you know, I, I, I do think it's important that we recognize that there are some Crown attorneys in um, jurisdictions in Ontario that are acting responsibly and reasonably, uh, where others are still beside themselves with fear, beside themselves with vindictiveness and seeking retribution uh, for these alleged violations of the Reopen Ontario Act. And, you know, Randy, I think the last time I saw you in the flesh, it might have been two years ago, it was in Peterborough. I think it was the month of April. Um, 
you and uh, Maxine Bernier, the leader of the uh, People's Party of Canada, and yours truly, we were all fined um, that day, even though there was, a, if memory serves, there must have been over a thousand people there not wearing masks, not socially distancing. So what are the odds that the law enforcement in Peterborough goes after um, politicians and um, I guess journalists who are asking impolite questions, I would say the odds against that would make even the most reckless gambler grant you, Randy. I had my day in court uh, last year. Uh, I was found guilty, even though I was doing what, um, you know, the mainstream media was doing that day, uh, covering the protests. But I guess there's uh, two different sets of standards. Did um, Have you had your day in court in Peterborough yet? No, that one is still of the way. Peterborough has still been one of the uh, more belligerent um, or aggressive um, jurisdictions, along with uh, Windsor, Ottawa, um, of course, um, Elgin County as well. Um, you know, there's, there are some hot spots, some, some spots where they just don't want to let go. They don't want to admit their errors. They don't want to admit their mistakes. They want to get their pound of flesh, regardless if it is an abuse of justice, uh, regardless if it's a um, uh, brings the administration of justice into disrepute. Um, they they want their pound of flesh. So uh, um, hopefully, like I said, I'm, I'm hopeful that as time goes on and ever more evidence is revealed that these laws were unnecessary. These laws were a violation of our fundamental freedoms. These laws actually caused more harm than they could have ever um, alleviated. So, you know, um, you know that, that is what the facts and the evidence demonstrate to us clearly now. Um, uh, even if it wasn't that clear to some people, um, a year and two years ago, uh, it is beyond any reasonable doubt that the measures employed with these mandates were more harmful than good, caused more injury than they saved, and um, and violated every fundamental freedom that Canadians hold dear. You know, you're so right. Um Randy, and it was such the hypocrisy of the last few years. Uh, Mom, Paul restaurants, I think of uh, Adamson Barbecue, uh, literally being shut down by all the king's horses and all the king's men. Meanwhile, 400 meters down the road, there's a Costco with its own food service, uh, you know, unit, and uh, nothing to see here, folks. Um, <laughs> and. There's been so much carnage, people losing their jobs, losing their businesses, losing their houses. You know, I would argue, Randy, that do you think what we need is a public inquiry, much like we saw with the Emergencies Act? Of course, that was very disappointing, the outcome, but not surprising. But I mean, a, a public inquiry on the level to hold those accountable for all these draconian and hypocritical rules uh, that really caused far more damage than the virus ever did. Oh, yeah, but but let me just clarify the language because the POEC was not a public inquiry. Uh, it was made to appear as a judicial inquiry, but it was a it was 
called a commission, not an inquiry. Mm. Uh, it had no authority to to um, to find guilt or uh, no ability to levy penalties or punishment. Um, this was a charade. It was a facade to make people up think that there was a an inquiry. But yes, David, uh, I called for a royal commission of inquiry um, back in 2021. It is the only way that a, a true royal commission has the authority to summon people, to have them testify under oath, and it has the authority to levy fines, penalties, or punishment. And there is no question, yeah, we know the mom and pop stores and, and many people were harmed as Humpty Dumpty uh, uh, sent out all the king's horses and all the king's men. Humpty Dumpty was sitting with Costco and Giant Tiger and uh, Walmart to make sure that some large businesses would retain their earnings, remain profitable, and put the screws to all the little guys. And that's what we saw happen in the last three years. The screws were put to the little guys in this country, and the big guys made off like bandits. Yeah, and you miss one of the big guys, uh, Randy, the um, chain that is owned by the province of Ontario. And I speak of the Liquor Control Board of Ontario. Uh, they they never close the doors uh, for uh, an hour. And uh, again, one rule for thee, one rule for me. But, you know, the thing is, uh, speaking of the province of Ontario, what is your assessment of how Doug Ford uh, handled this crisis? Because... I seem to recall uh, him being on record as saying he didn't want two-tier citizenship in the province of Ontario. And then somebody behind the scenes got to him because suddenly you had to be uh, vaxxed. And I think of you, Belinda Carajalios, Roman Baber, um, Rick Nichols. I I'm sure I'm missing a couple of names. Uh, you were ousted uh, from caucus. And... Uh, I used to think, Randy, we lived in a day of a day and age of my body, my choice. Maybe that only pertains to those females aborting a baby. Let me correct the record there for a moment, because uh, I uh, left uh, the Ford caucus before COVID. Um, you know, oh, okay. I saw the, uh, the skullduggery and the uh, skankiness of what was going on in the Ford administration before COVID. So, uh, you know, and I was quite critical. The first time I spoke out in opposition to the uh, measures uh, that Doug Ford was bringing in or had brought in was March 26, 2020. I was the first elected representative in Canada to speak publicly in opposition to the state of emergency and the closure of our legislature. And the handing off of all the legislative authority to some unseen, unknown, faceless bureaucrats at a COVID command table that we didn't know. Mm. Um, uh, and, you know, Doug Ford said it very clearly um, during COVID that, uh, that a politician that didn't abide by these faceless, nameless and useless bureaucrats 
might as well tie a rope around their neck and throw themselves off the bridge. Could I go out there and be the only politician in the entire country, including the prime minister, all premiers, every single mayor, because I've talked to the vast majority of them, and, and say, okay, docs, I'm not a medical professional, but I'm going to disagree with you. When I said I'm going to follow their direction on health advice right from, right from day one. And then if I did that, they could slap a section 22 down and it's just friction. You know, I'm, I'm going to stick with what I've done right from the beginning. I'm going to stick with health and, and science and uh, work with them collaboratively. Uh, but uh, I'm going to be very frank. There's no politician in this country is going to disagree with their chief medical officer. Uh, they just aren't going to do it. They might as well throw a rope around their neck and jump off a bridge. They're done. I'm telling you the facts. It's very simple. I respect all the medical officers and all the docs that have been working their back off, and I will always, always listen to the chief medical officer, his team. Very, very You know, the, the incompetence, the foolishness, the injustice that was allowed to happen because we don't have political leaders in our country. We have political followers in all the main chairs. And Doug Ford was one of those leading followers. Uh, he did not have the wherewithal, the intelligence, or the backbone to actually lead people. And all these unknown bureaucrats, um, and you, where, where Doug did have a favor and ability to do what he did was making sure his friends, the big business, the corporate interests would remain profitable at the expense of everyone else. And, you know, it, it's, it's sad, Randy, because uh, I think one thing uh, we have learned thanks to the pandemic is Doug Ford is not Rob Ford, the late great mayor of Toronto, I, I agree with you. There's somebody behind the scenes. Who are these people that he's following, though, uh, Randy? Why can't he be his own man? I mean, the most oft-asked question I get when I go to freedom uh, rallies is, whatever happened to Doug Ford? What? Who do you think he's following, Randy? Well, I, I know. Uh, and actually, if you raise that up, uh, I just started doing a video podcast series called Scuttlebutt Lodge at my uh, hunt camp up here in Lanark County. Uh, and I am revealing in each week's episode various observations that I witnessed over my years in Queen's Park about how political parties have corrupted the democratic process, how um, how unseen players um, are the actual leadership in our government, not the actors like Doug Ford, um, not the actors like Justin Trudeau. There are significant players behind the scenes. Um, they're sort of like, if you think of politics, more like um, entertainment or more like the theater, Yeah. Uh, the premier and the prime minister, they're the leading actors. What you don't see are the producers and the screenwriters and the directors who are actually controlling the leaders through the political parties. So that that's the lobbyists, the GR firms, the pollsters, the campaign um, teams um, who all 
are advancing the corporate interest and the legislative interest, uh, the legislative agenda. Um, we have really uh, this idea that we have a representative democracy is a myth and a distortion compared to what we actually have. How sad. And from provincial politics to municipal politics, uh, Randy, I'd like you to get weigh in on the bombshell announcement of last month, namely Mayor John Tory stepping down. Uh, he revealed that he was having an affair with an office staffer. And what I found absolutely perverse, more than the affair itself, actually, and the mainstream media didn't cover this, but we sure did. This was the same mayor, if you look at the timeline, that was painting social distancing circles on the lawns of Trinity Bellwoods Park. He was telling us to mask up between eating. Uh, he was uh, shutting down parts so that people couldn't smell the cherry blossoms because he didn't want congregations of people. So he was talking about masking, social distancing, getting the jab. And meanwhile, he was getting as close as humanly possible uh, with his mistress. Um, you know, I, I look at the story, Randy, and I, I just look at the hypocrisy that's just right off the charts. Well, that's, you know, hypocrisy was throughout the, um, that whole period of time. You know, people may have forgotten about our uh, finance minister, Rod Phillips, taking a vacation down to St. Bart's when everybody else was told that it was too dangerous to leave your homes. Um, and making uh, that phony premier, video indicating he was back home in Ajax. <laughs> the premier going to his cottage and going yeah. scheduling and uh, various <laughs> members getting, having weddings and receptions with all kinds of violations to the edicts of, of Doug Ford. But all of that was acceptable. Uh, and uh, as you know, you've said it, many have said it, it's uh, one law for thee and uh, another law for everyone else here. Like, um, you know, the fundamental in our Western society is that, you know, neither prince nor pauper is above or below the law. Uh, but here we saw for, uh, for you know, throughout that whole period of time, uh, the laws did not apply if you were the premier, even Justin Trudeau uh, uh, was caught many times violating his own edicts. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we saw the mainstream press, you know, Rebel News and a few of the other uh, uh, independent media people expose these hypocrisies, but our mainstream media hid from them like like the cowards that they are. They were so fearful of losing their federal funding yep. and the advertising revenue from government that they chose to misrepresent the facts and they chose to provide people with a dishonesty and a lie about what was happening. Um, and, you know, like, it's it's a terrible thing. But what's clear since that whole period of time is we were living in an age of dishonesty mm. by our governments, by our institutions, by our mainstream media. Um, uh, everybody and every institution and every um, uh, every institution became corrupted and worked against the public in, uh, interest. 
I, I think you're so right. Um, Randy, regardless of the level of government, municipal, provincial, federal, uh, regardless of what political stripe uh, the uh, people in power were under, um, it was almost intoxicating, I think, uh, the power they had over people. We're telling them to shut down their businesses. My God, they've shut down their businesses. We're telling them to stay in a little spray-painted circle. They're obeying that too. Um, it, it almost became like an addictive drug. That That's my opinion. But one last question, Randy, because we're running out of time. You said you've had 10 victories. Um, so happy to hear that. You've got another dozen charges that you got to fight. You talked about earlier you're facing a potential of up to 25 years imprisonment, $2.5 million in fines. Here's my fear for you, Randy, that even if you're found not guilty on all those 12 remaining charges, uh, as you alluded to earlier, the process is often the penalty. The amount of money you're going to have to pay on legal fees to fight these outrageous charges, um, you know, Knock on wood, I, I hope it doesn't lead to to bankruptcy or, or what have you. Your thoughts on that, my friend? Well, that's clearly what the crowns and our institutions are doing, David. They are abusing the purpose of, of law, and they are purposely trying to either bankrupt me or silence me through incarceration. Uh, that is... Um, this is not about protecting the public. It's not about correcting a wrong. This is about vindictive, vengeful actions by our justice system yeah. to either, like I said, either bankrupt me completely or have me incarcerated. And um, I'm going to continue to fight. Um, but, you know, and, and I've and we have been successful, and I'm not facing those um, uh, 2.5 million dollars in fines now. I'm down to about down to about a million dollars in fines, and um, and uh, in a number of years potentially in jail. Um, but you know, I um, I know that my actions caused no harm. I know my actions gave people great hope an inspiration to fight back. Um, I would do it all over again. You know, if we want to have any sort of free country for our children and grandchildren, we have to fight just like our forefathers and ancestors fought for our freedoms in the past. And, and we can do no less than what they did for us. 100%, Randy. Well, listen, I wish you luck in the road ahead as you fight those uh, 12 charges. And uh, keep in touch. Let us know how it goes. And uh, you're always welcome uh, on this show. So thank you so much, Randy, and continue fighting for freedom, my friend. Well, Dave, I'm going to extend an invitation. Yeah. Take a look um, at nomorelockdowns.ca's website. Um my camp is listed on there. I'll extend you an invitation. Uh, come down to Scuttlebutt Lodge and uh, <laughs> it'll be on the house. And uh, it would be my pleasure to have you up around the bonfire pit and maybe have a, uh, a beverage and chat about uh, your transition from when the last time I saw you. <laughs> 
Oh, Randy, I bet you say that to all the girls. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I might take you up on that uh, offer. And uh, again, Randy, thank you so much for making time for us today. We'll chat again soon. There you go, folks. Randy Hillier somewhere in the Ottawa area. Keep it here. More of the Ezra Levant show to come right after this. Well, folks, my beloved colleague, Tamara Ugolini, she guest hosted last night's edition of the Ezra Levant show. Her monologue was on the special rapporteur, and she had a wonderful interview with Pastor Art Pawlowski. He was weighing in on the Derek Reimer situation. We received tons of feedback on that, so let's get to some of your letters. So Fast 55 writes, I wonder if the rapporteur will be a Chinese-sponsored liberal. Hey, why not? How about Han Dong takes care of everything? He's an insider, after all. And besides, we all know how this special rapporteur is going to rule, don't we? Uh, just think of the Emergencies Act inquiry. Free West guy writes, The mayor of Calgary and the Calgary police are committing hate crimes and persecuting Christian pastors. They are the bigots. You're absolutely right. Of course, they're following the orders, I believe, of Calgary's mayor, the most woke mayor, the most insane mayor in all of Canada. Wouldn't it be nice to see the Calgary police take a stand against her, say that we are meant to uphold the law, as in the real law, not enforce politically correct mandates? Pike writes, when it comes to Daniel Smith, Pastor Archer ought to know that a PM, premier or mayor, cannot interfere in that process. It is illegal and to do so taints their office with favoritism and autocracy. There would be legal and political hell to pay for her to intervene. You know, that might be true, Pike, but it doesn't prevent Daniel Smith from going on the record and saying what's happening to these pastors in Alberta is despicable. We'll see if she changes her tune in the weeks and months ahead. Well, there you go. That is tonight's edition of the Ezra Event Show. I believe my colleague Sheila Gunn-Reed is guest hosting tomorrow. Thanks so much for tuning in. And as always, stay sane.